0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Sochiing with Suntwe. Today, we're with Gail Ball. Um, Just give us a second. We're going to do the the old thing of where we share everything. Um, If you're here, if you're already with us, drop a comment. Let us know where you are. Share it if you feel inclined to. Tag a friend if you think they should come and watch. I think this is going to be a good one. Um, Yeah, let us know you're there. Let us know where you're from. And uh, let's get this show on the road. Let's just get the shares done. Here we go. Share and uh, try and share it to as many places as possible. Get some good views for this spectacular individual. Um, the groups. Here we go. Let's bring Gail up as well. Hi Gail. How, you doing? <laughs> How are you doing? How are we going
1: there? I'm okay. How are you?
0: Yeah, yeah. Good. Um, yeah. So if you want to give a quick, quick brief introduction of yourself, who you are, where you're from, so everybody knows. Um uh-
1: now living in uh, Manchester
0: okay we had a bit of a technical hitch so you have to repeat all of that you froze completely
1: <laughs> okay uh, Gail Ball I have been originally from Bulawayo um, and been living in the UK 16 years now in Manchester
0: 16 years in Manchester that a long time yeah I'll, 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 I'll be there one day with that kind of level I'm, I'm pushing one year one month left, and I've been here a year already. I can't believe it.
1: That's a long time. Surprised yeah. you haven't uh, left already because of the weather.
0: <laughs> haven't what?
1: You haven't left because of the weather. Yeah. You know. Weather doesn't
0: bother me. I like the weather here. I'm not a. I'm not a. I'm not. I'm not worried about weather. It's, if it's cold, it's good. If it's rainy, it's good. If it's hot, it's good. It's always good. So, already we've got 15 people watching by the looks of things. We've got uh, Natasha Salter saying, woo-hoo, volley! And uh, Tracy Kleinenberg-Stewart, nice to see you there. Long time. How's it going? She's also saying… Hi, hey, hey. Saying hi.
1: Hi, Tash.
0: Some background. Your background is in uh, swimming. Tell us how you got into swimming.
1: Uh, actually, um, I don't know if you know Belinda Armstrong from Bulaway. Yeah. Uh, I went to school with her for a short time. We became good friends and she introduced me to club swimming. But I was that was only at 15. Um, Started club swimming, obviously found out I could actually swim well. Um, And then uh, the career just kicked off from there. And basically was captain of the Zimbabwe swimming team for about eight years. That was probably the duration of my swimming career. That was
0: cool. Uh, um, uh, Rafaela De Palma is also there, saying, "Hey,", um, hey but okay. Man. I made a, I made an error on the post to everybody. I said uh, she won a medal at fifteen, which was not quite correct. I misinterpreted that correctly. So you you went to Luxembourg when?
1: Yeah, so I was seventeen at the time. That was in nineteen ninety-two. Um, hey, <laughs> fifteen! 15 come on! I know, but I started swimming late, so obviously uh when you. And you say I swam, I was 15 and I won a bronze medal at the junior championships. That's quite impressive. Um, it's still so, quite impressive. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then got chosen for the 1992 Olympics. Um, when I say chosen, didn't actually get to go. Train through trained through winter. Um, it was hard because, you know, we've we've got outdoor pools in Zim and... Uh, yeah, we trained all the way through winter. Uh, there was about eight eight swimmers, four men, four women chosen to go. And two weeks before we were due to go, they uh, they chopped the team in half um, to send some runners. So two women and two men got chopped from the team two weeks before they were meant. We were meant to fly out. Essex is your—it's an ultimate kind of achievement.
0: Mm. We keep getting a bit of a freeze going on.
1: It's not me. I don't know. Why. <laughs> it's, your, it's
0: your internet. <laughs> Maybe it's my side. I don't know. Um, yeah. So, did you enjoy swimming, or was it a, a bit of a chore? Was it actually something no. that you had passion for, or?
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it. Obviously, I enjoyed it. And then winning, I, I was the top women's breaststroker in Zimbabwe for the full duration. I only started to get beaten towards the end of my career. Um, six days a week, training, um, even sometimes on Christmas Day, New Year's Day. You had to yeah, have light, course, yeah. something about it to be able to sacrifice that much of your time. We used to train three times a day sometimes. Uh, it's quite, it's hard work, it's hard work, but it was good. Loved the tours, you know, competition, especially when you won.
0: But was it about the, the victories or was it about the process more?
1: Uh, I think it, uh, the victories, definitely. The training was the hard part um, and then the satisfaction from winning. And also you got to travel with the team. You got, you know, the team spirit. It was it's amazing, just taking part in an individual sport but as a team so mm. it was good
0: cool and then obviously so you're you're a personal trainer now as well isn't it
1: yeah kind of um it's it's, it's like a second job for me now but um i've been a trainer since 2008 qualified personal trainer
0: oh, cool. um and so what would you in- to that field? Was it still like a, a spillover from your swimming days that you, or something that you really decided to pursue later?
1: No, I think it's just uh, the sport element. So I've always been, uh, always had sport in my life and always wanted to uh, help other people. So personal training was the basically the transition from swimming to what else can I do. And mm. obviously everyone takes part in the gym. Well, I say everybody, but a lot of people, it's a big part of their life. So I thought it was probably the best way to go.
0: Hmm. I actually, uh, when I arrived here, I started a personal trainer course. Um,
1: <laughs> sorry. What happened? <laughs>
0: well, I, I, got a, I got my job and it just took preference.
1: But you can so, do both. I qualified full-time, working full-time.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can. But uh, it, it just didn't become a priority for me anymore. Like it was something that I thought I was going to to want to do, and something that I want, thought I wanted to pursue. But when I started pursuing it, I realized that it wasn't really my my jam, and my my priorities went a lot towards my job. And this particular job requires a lot of traveling as well. And it started off with quite a lot of traveling, but um, obviously COVID came and stuffed that all up. <laughs> uh, I think
1: COVID sucked up a lot of things, didn't it?
0: Well, it has, and it still is. There's a lot of trips that I've had to forfeit because of this uh, this stupid pandemic. But yeah, so with your um, with your personal training journey, you you started in 2008, so that's 12 years ago. You've been doing it. Yeah,
1: Um, I I still do it. Um, Obviously, COVID's put a bit of a spanner in the works there. Um, but I still do it. So I've got a full-time job. Um, and then I do personal training on the side. Haven't done much this year. Um, haven't done any this year, (laughs) haven't done any Mm -hmm. this year. Um, the gyms are opening on the 25th. So that's promising. We'll see how that goes. It's going to be
0: interesting doing a full workout with a mask on though.
1: Yeah, that's not going to be fun. But you know what? You yeah. have to adapt. You can't you either complain and don't go in the gym or you just respect the rules and just get on with it. Well, I'd rather right. go in and work at a lower capacity than not go at all, so.
0: Yeah, true, that, that is true. And um, so you didn't do any Zoom classes with anybody?
1: Um, no, I'd, my job, uh, they made half my team redundant. So my job was quite stressful. Um, I didn't want to take on any any more work because I've been working full time from home. Still working full time at home. We haven't moved back to the office. So
0: <laughs> Okay, so the, the, the real the real reason we're here and the real story we want to hear obviously and talk about and go through is, is your, your journey through breast cancer. So yeah. can you tell me the lead-up to that and the, the, the lead-up to the diagnosis and, and the, the day of the diagnosis and how it, how it all happened and how you sort of handled that.
1: Yeah, so actually on New Year's Day 2017, well, 2018, because it was New Year's Day, I wasn't well. I hadn't been well for like four, four weeks, but I thought it was flu. And I was really, really sick on New Year's Day, um, and went to A and E with my friend. And um, got to A and E, got assessed by the doctor. I had um, pains in my chest. I had what any woman who breastfeeds probably would know is, is like mastitis. <laughs> hey, Anesh, how are you doing? Um, anyway, he so it's it it's quite kind of painful. Um, And the doctor couldn't make an assessment because my chest was inflamed and it was painful. So he gave me antibiotics like he would for someone who had mastitis um, and then referred me back to my GP. So three days later, went back to the GP. Uh, The inflammation had come down and they found a lump. Um, As soon as they found it, they referred me by the Monday. I was at the breast cancer clinic and then from there i just went through some horrendous amount of biopsies scans mris it was continuous i felt like i'd had chunks of my body taken out of me because the biopsies uh, some of the they're the most painful things so so my, my my main thing is and that's why i wanted to talk to you about it was um if anyone finds a lump you just go go get it checked because um, over the next seven weeks, course of seven weeks, I was poked and prodded, had scans, and then by the twenty um, by the twenty third of January, they they finally gave me my diagnosis, and I had uh, stage two breast cancer. Um, it, at that point, they didn't know if it had spread or not, so that meant more tests. Mm. Um, and it took to the end, I would say, by the end of February. Um, then they said they did a lot, whole lot of tests. Part of it was uh, the waiting. It had quite a bad mental health. It, 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 mm-hmm. You know, because you're waiting for results the entire time, and it was a week at a time, and you had to wait. So from you that... You are left in
0: limbo quite a lot, aren't you?
1: Sorry? You yeah. left
0: in limbo. Like without without any direction what to do
1: no and to be fair while that was all going on i was still i was going for um job interviews for a new job because my previous job was it was so stressful that at that point i didn't want to stay where i was so i carried on and i had needles and Uh, needle holes and bruises from all the tests Um, it's not it's not a nice process and anyone who's gone through it would can understand that but uh, I was still determined to carry on as normal if that makes sense because the physical side you can always deal with but the mental side is that was the battle and the waiting Um, just before I got uh, they sent my tissue off for analysis to America well I thought they did But on that day, I went back three weeks later and they told me that the nurse never sent the tissue off. So I'd have to wait another four weeks. So uh, that day, to be honest, I just cried. I just cried uncontrollably because it meant another four weeks. And when you looked at the test, they were doing stages. So there was no way they could fast track it was being sent off and what it is it's a test to show whether you get reoccurrences mm. so it's quite important because that determines your treatment plan i see um
0: but when you got your diagnosis that first time and we're told listen you've got stage two breast cancer what went through your head
1: uh, i just burst into tears because all you're thinking of is i'm gonna die um and that is probably i think it's the fear of dying all of a sudden reality checks in and you're just like i don't want to die i've got all this i've got loads to do um i had my mum with me she came to every single um appointment which was great because i had support all the time and then when she couldn't make it my my friends came my my sisters came with me uh so all my brother-in-law came with me so i always had someone going and that 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 was important because you need the support but there's nothing worse than thinking you're going to die um even though the doctors were saying it's early stages and you thinking i'm yeah. fit i'm healthy i always keep fit i always eat right why have i got it but the stats are one in eight women get breast cancer that have no history of it in their family and I was one of those, so That's it does, it does make you. High. It does make you think. Yeah, but one in two people get cancer, so you know of some sort. So the stats are: if you think one in eight, it's not. It's not a lot. It, it, it's you know, if you've got a history of it, it can be one in three. So. Yeah, it is. It's hard. That's it's fair. hard to explain the feeling you go through because there's a feeling of just um fear fear of dying more than anything else and i had to retrain my mind to
0: how long did that fear hold you for before you managed to snap into into a different mindset
1: um well if you go from from january to june when i finished my um treatment uh i probably broke down five times in that where i just couldn't control it um i didn't do any of that in front of my mum, who was at every appointment, I'd get home and then I'd just sob. Um, but for me, it was, uh, I need to get better. The only way to do this is to get my, you know, get my mind um, in the right frame of mind, because whether you physically fit or not, if your mind is not fit, you, you, you're stuck really, so. The- so I started. I started uh, exercising after my surgery, which was in March, on the seventh of March. I remember like it was yesterday. Um, uh, I couldn't exercise for five weeks. So as soon as I did, I started walking. I did one one k walks. Started increasing were, it. Up.
0: Were you were you quite physically debilitated and like had your fitness taken a major downslide from the treatment and all of that? Did it have a major yeah. impact on
1: that? oh yeah well it wasn't so much the treatment it was uh so after the surgery obviously i had a mastectomy so it removes the whole everything basically mm-hmm. but they cut into your nerves so your whole arm basically your nerves don't like fire to you muscles so i had a, i had a bingo wing on one arm and i've never had one and i lost my abs because i was in bed a lot because you you kind of Got to roll out of bed because you can't push on your arm. Um, even bathing was a mission because you couldn't use your arm. Um, but I was determined, uh, so I slowly I did all the exercises, even if they hurt. And I just, uh, you know, it's it's hard. It's it was hard for me, who was active, to all of a sudden take things slowly.
0: Yeah,
1: and I listen, And listen uh. to the doctors
0: what about so your 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 rehabilitation process was that completely solo or were you going through some kind of rehab physiotherapy with with doctors or
1: so the doctors did offer counseling um and physio so i went to physio but i got discharged because i'd done all my own exercise i've done i did all the exercises i had full range of motion in my shoulders and arm <clears throat> they discharged me and approved me to start driving again and exercising. So I didn't need to continue to see the physio unless I wanted to, so that it was always there. You could always go back if you needed to. Um, they offered counselling. I uh, I didn't take that up because I had my support of my family and my closest friends. So that yep. one thing about the NHS I can't fault is uh, their support. They might have made mistakes on the way, some of them, you know, but – they're only human, so I,
0: yeah.
1: I, got, I got good but support and I continue to get it.
0: We're talking about support from family and friends. That's a very important aspect of it because without that, it can be quite a lonely road um, dealing with things like this, I can imagine. Um, did you, tell me more about that.
1: Well, obviously I had the full support of, I, I didn't tell everybody. I kind of kept it to my immediate family and my closest friends. Um so my mum, my my sisters, my brother, uh, my best friends. Um and then obviously work colleagues because I was off sick. So I wasn't uh, wasn't at work, so they knew. So they were quite supportive as well. Um but you know I think without my family's support it could have I could have just given up and and it just not bothered to try and get better. Uh, they allowed me to cry when I needed to. They didn't um they just allowed me to be silent when I needed to. Because there was a lot of that where you just you don't want to talk about it anymore. And you don't want to. And there were some times when um Tash, who lived with me, couldn't um she couldn't console me. So she just had to sit while I was upset. Um and and that was okay yeah, because if you the, know when you, quiet, you're that upset um, and you don't want to talk you don't want people watching yeah and she felt helpless my mum felt helpless um and that's the thing as well you have to understand as it, you you're the sick person but actually the impact on your family mm. um i think my mum took a lot of strain uh you you, you kind of have to become unselfish because yes you're the sick one but your family's standing by and they don't um they don't know how to make you feel better and for a mother i think it was how how do i help how how can i help i can't help i can't and she just so it was hard for my mum. um even now it makes it kind of it's a bit of a it's a tough topic when it comes to my mum because she was she was there every day she was uh every single appointment and to be fair my sisters they took time off work to go to appointments with me so my mom could have a break because it was it was every week and twice a week.
0: And during this whole thing, you you got a new job in the middle of it.
1: Yeah. So what happened is I went for two interviews. Um, I'm still at the company. That's the company I work for. I went for two interviews while I was being biopsied. So I was really sore. I actually got told on the Monday that I had breast cancer. And I had an interview for the second interview on the Friday in front of three FDs. Sure. And the recruitment agent at the time is such a good guy. And he's like, Gail, are you sure you want to go to this interview? And I'm like, yeah, let's just do it. Let's just do it. So I went to the interview and I said I could block it out. And I'm quite good at compartmentalizing um issues. Thanks, B. I know she is. Um and I managed to forget about the cancer for the two hours I was being interviewed. Anyway, um, I basically had the, in, no, I had the interview on the Friday. I got the job on the Friday. On the Monday, I got the diagnosis. And I thought, then I have all this treatment. And I, I, I kind of had to turn down the job. And the recruitment guy said, no, let me speak to them. Anyway, he spoke to them. And they were willing to wait five months for me and they waited five months That's incredible. and I, I was taken back that they were willing to wait that long um so I went through all the all the treatment and everything five months later I started my new job on the 15th of May 2018 and they uh as I started the job because of my delay in treatment thanks Kev um The the delay in treatment meant when the nurse lost the tissue, basically, it delayed my treatment plan. So it delayed everything. So the intention was to start the new job and not um, have and be out, finish my radiotherapy by that stage. But because of the delay, I started the new job. I was a week into the job and had to ask them to give me time to go to appointments. And they gave it to me, they didn't deduct any hours. And uh, I basically tried to time my appointment so it was like seven in the evening. So, so I'd leave work towards the end of the working day, but sometimes I had to leave at five because the appointment was at six. I mean, so they adjusted everything to accommodate my, my treatment. And on top of that, so obviously I'd started a new job, it was full-time. Started radiotherapy, mm-hmm. which makes you tired um, and then I went to gym after radiotherapy. <laughs> so it's, um, you know, it's it's quite hectic.
0: Just to stop you for a second, I just want to acknowledge some of the comments and some of the people there. Uh, thank you, everybody, for coming, and I um, really appreciate you coming to to listen and join us today if you have any questions during this thing just drop them in the comments we'll get them get to them as soon as possible i want to just reel back quite far to tanya pembroke tanya is actually a swimming instructor uh, swimming teacher in johannesburg and uh, she was uh, saying hi gail and paul did you did you ever consider teaching swimming after your competitive career ended
1: i actually did teach at my old high school girls college for a while um, before I before I left Zimbabwe um, and did a bit of uh, club training as well. So, yeah, definitely it was uh, something I wanted to do. Um haven't actually had the time to do it here because here you have to go through a whole qualification process um, before you can start teaching kids or training people. And I know I decided to go the personal training route. Great. Might do it. Might still do it
0: yeah it's never too late is it no, um, no then we've got uh love our Togolosh, keep strong and inspiring people through your journey
1: thanks Belle.
0: um angela king so very brave
1: thanks Ange.
0: michelle nash i saw ash ash burton your sister was on earlier i don't know if she's still watching but uh, nice to see Ash and Michelle uh, get joining us. You amazing Gail. sending love. Well done.
1: Thanks, Mish. Uh
0: Kevin Nicklin wants to know if you have any tattoos that relate to your your cancer journey.
1: Oh, I think he knows. Let me show you, Kevin.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's got inside knowledge.
1: Exactly. So, how do I get the screen on the screen?
0: <laughs> it's tricky because it's opposite.
1: I know. I'm trying to get it but it, it's here on my forearm. I'm trying to I'm trying to do the opposite. I'll post a picture of it.
0: Yeah, post a picture in the comments. There's,
1: there's a cancer um, ribbon yeah, and Zimbabwe yeah. colors. I'll post yeah. a picture after.
0: And then uh, Natasha Salter is saying, so very proud of you, Paulie. What amazing resilience you have shown.
1: Thanks, Stash.
0: So yeah so like I said guys if you want to ask any questions or say anything just drop them in the comments and we'll we'll um we'll get to them as soon as we can um we'll get to this one later from Petronella but um what I wanted to ask you cuz you were talking about compartmentalizing uh during the interview process and all of that and I wanted to see do you think there is a a correlation between your ability to compartmentalize pain and um, focus Uh, Is there a correlation between that and your training that you did so extensively before being able to compartmentalise pain and uh, endurance, enduring pain and and hard work to get to a a specific goal?
1: Um, I think think most athletes um, can compartmentalise because they have to focus. Obviously, um, when you've got a race, you, you forget about everything around you. Um, so it does definitely help, but one of my sisters is good at that. Kelly, um, she's good at compartmentalizing as well, and focusing on what's in front of you. And I think, I think you either can or you can't do it. If that makes sense, um, not everyone can do it. And sometimes I think, in a way, it does help you deal with the problems that are in front of you. So, because if you think about it, I was changing jobs, I was going through cancer treatment. If I I was worried about dying, so if I if I did that all together, I probably wouldn't wouldn't have been able to cope. I probably would have taken up the offer of a counsellor. And I definitely think sport and exercise can help you mentally. It can make you Mm -hmm. mentally strong. So, so definitely.
0: So we've got a question from Petronella here that's actually a good one to ask now. She's saying, what advice can you give to someone who is supporting a cancer patient?
1: Okay, so obviously I know firsthand what, what that's like. So I think you can only be there for them, but they, I mean, the hard thing about someone supporting a cancer patient is they don't know what to do. And you don't have to know what to do. You just You just have to be there and you've got to listen to them. And, and just try and not let them slip into a bad place. Because for me, trying to be positive helped me a lot. So if you try and see the positive thing, you're alive right now, um, you're going through tr- treatment, and you can come out the other side. Um, for me, having that support and giving that support, it's a, it's just keep positive for them. Keep positive, keep supporting them. Let them know you're there. Um, and. You don't have to always ask them how they are because I found when you've been asked all the time, how are you, how are you, how are you, how are you, you just want to talk about something other than the cancer. So sometimes Mm. focus on something that, you know, you can check on how they are, but then take it away from just focusing on the cancer and that they're sick. Because I think if you think you're sick, you'll stay sick. And I I try Mm. to get out of that. So I don't know if that, if that helps, but it's worth trying.
0: You've got to remember that the person that you're dealing with isn't, isn't, isn't a cancer patient, it's a, rather a person with cancer. So I think you've got to, yeah. in my, my opinion, you've got to deal with the humanity first with the ailment later.
1: Yeah, and, and they'll, probably, uh, they'll probably lose their temper every now and then, they'll probably get un, upset a lot for no reason, but it is quite a mental battle um the physical side most people can deal with and recover from but it's the mental fight it's just the fear most people yeah. don't want that fear of fear of dying i think Um that was my biggest my biggest issue it, it wasn't so much depression it was
0: yeah
1: it was just the yeah. fear of dying
0: and um what do you think about quiet support rather than uh, what because i know in my life generally Uh, whenever i'm having a problem i like i i'm i'm a venter i'm the kind of person that that speaks and and and, uh talks about what i'm going through but i get very upset when people try to fix the problem for me um so i'm very i'm a big proponent of quiet support where you're there to 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 listen without trying to give too much advice on the situation i'm sure that applies to this situation as well because there's little that that your your loved one can do to fix the situation and it can be frustrating to watch them keep on trying to fix something that they just need to be there for, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's it's like I said to you, I, w- I was left to be upset, be, you know, when, when you're upset, you can't, there's nothing anyone can do. Uh, and you just got to, they've just got to, instead of just trying to console you, just leave you and st- take a step back because at the end of the day, if you really need someone to have an input, you'd ask. Um, uh, And there's nothing worse than someone thinking they know how you feel. So (laughs) uh, that would probably make you angry and push people away. Um, So it's about waiting to be asked for for help or support. Uh, I'm, I'm... Similar to you, but I don't rant about how I feel, which is part of the reason this I kept for six months without telling people that I was sick because I wanted as little people to know as possible so I could get through it um, and deal with it in my own way. But if someone was talking to me and trying to tell me what I should do to deal with this, I've had people who got angry because I didn't tell them I had breast cancer um, and they only found out when i posted the post six months later on facebook and i was like hold on i had to deal with it my way not to suit mm. you so you know there's things like it's that about it's, about, <laughs> it's, about, it's about it's about listening to the person and not trying to say you know how they feel when you don't you don't you could never
0: Oh, just in case anyone's um, interested um there's a donate link on the poster post that I put on my page so far there's 125 pounds been donated to breast cancer research um oh thanks yeah I I put it there without any expectations really and I was quite surprised um when I saw the amount that had already been donated so that was that was quite quite amazing um we got another question here from from Tanya how often do you go for breast exams now since the cancer? Do you just go for a field test or do you go for a mammogram?
1: So, um, I go for a yearly mammogram now, um, and then I go to the oncologist, uh, once a year as well. So the early mammograms normally in February and then oncologist is coming up in August, they, they kind of, so you get two checks, the mammogram checks, that it's not come back or it's not come back in the other breast. And then the oncologist does a physical kind of check because obviously, they, skin changes, uh, rashes can be a sign that it's come back, uh, lymph nodes, inflamed lymph nodes under your arms and neck could be a sign. So, the oncologist, once a year, you go to him and you, so that will be at Christie's Hospital in Manchester, it's a cancer hospital. So, yeah. So when so
0: when were you given the all clear
1: so on the i think it was the 14th of june which was six months after i had been diagnosed i had my last radiotherapy treatment and they do a full ct scan um so basically you get given the all clear and then every year when you get checked it's pretty much continuous so it took six months so
0: it was six months that's is that a long time i don't really know i don't know much about this topic to be to be fair is that, um, is that a normal amount of time or did you did you did you crush it or
1: put it this way i think i got lucky because okay. the map i had was 70 centimeters in diameter Oh, seventy millimetre, 70 millimeters 70 oh, millimeters in oh, diameter
0: sorry the must have been massive
1: okay, yeah. <laughs> no uh seven uh, so obviously 70 millimeters so seven centimeters so okay. it that's why that i had the full mastectomy because it so um what i did a video a couple of months ago um on what had happened so ter- i think it was seven years prior to that i went for a scan because i had a lump
0: mm-hmm. and they missed
1: the diagnosis so in the seven years up to when i finally got, got diagnosed i actually had breast cancer with well, that whole
0: seven here.
1: Yep. So if you think about the seventy-seven mm-hmm. mm-hmm. centimeters, it's quite—it's quite it's like huge. Um, and the yeah. doctor at the time missed it. I even—I tried to look into it, but because he had done the minimal, which was a biopsy and a scan, I couldn't claim anything because apparently that was the minimum requirement by law. Um, if he had done a further MRI, he would have seen it. So, mm. yeah. So and I lived with it for seven years. Yeah, it was,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, it seven years. So I count myself lucky because by the time I got it, it hadn't spread to my lymph nodes. So I think that's probably why my treatment was six months. I think some breast cancer patients can, uh, go on for longer and more aggressive mm. treatment, like chemo. I got away with chemo, I didn't need it. So it was
0: well, that's lucky!
1: great, Kevin.
0: Yeah, Kevin's a, Kevin's a legend. <laughs> Such a stupid <laughs> comment.
1: <laughs> I lived in the UK for 16 years, and then, uh, yeah, your accent would change quite a bit. <laughs> Why do you think I'm talking to Paul, Uh, trying to grab back my my Dumbo accent?
0: (laughs) I had dinner with Kev in Johannesburg. Must be four years already now. Four years ago. And I hadn't seen him for like ten years, or or maybe even longer. It was was good to catch up. Wow. Okay. So, um, what else here? So, we got to okay so june last year so you did you start training again in june then after the all clear or or just after surgery how did did uh, that work
1: i I started training five weeks after surgery
0: okay Um, and surgery was in march
1: yeah so my surgery was on the 7th of march five weeks after that i got the all clear to start training and obviously it was a slow process it's um it took me two years to be able to do a push-up literally maybe 18 months before i could do a full push push-up and now i'm being nominated to do 25 um a day (laughs) but yeah took it's a long time it's a long healing process so it's it, you just got to have patience, because um, it's so, a simple things. So it's like you couldn't do a push up, but you didn't really care about doing push ups when you could. Do you know what I mean? But because you couldn't do it, it became important that you learned how to do it. So, yeah,
0: you know, but two years to get a push up. That how do you how do you how did you go about? Starting it to even get to that like did you use uh, resistant band aids? How did you how did you get to that? Started on, yeah, I start,
1: I start, started on my knees and I swore oh, through right. my whole training career. I'd never do female push-ups on my knees So <laughs> for me to do it in the gym, I, I've kind of felt a bit um is it like a slight embarrassment? Because for me, it was. A, it was. It's like anyone you see a big guy lifting a light weight, and you you shouldn't judge them because they might have an injury. Do you know what I mean? So, I started in the gym and started on my knees, and I did five, and then started gradually building it up every week. So, um, it took a long time. I um, couldn't do a pull up. I had to. I just hung from the bar, and that was an achievement because it didn't feel like my chest was going to rip out. Um, it's things like that. So because part of my reconstruction, they moved my pectoral muscle to the front. So you know how you guys can, I don't know if you can do it, Paul, but you can move your chest can. your pecs. You can. Oh, can you show us?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I believe you'll be able to feel.
1: Can I'm you show feel. us? <laughs> Oh yeah yeah, Black yeah. So I can do that with one one of my So I, I can, can see the left one, do can it with one can. of mine. Now. Yeah, can see it slightly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the light's not good. That's and I'm sticking to that story.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so I can do that with my the one I had the reconstruction because they've put that muscle in front of the implant. It's kind of to support it. Um, so mm-hmm. the whole muscle thing movement was different. It was weird oh. because it would just flex. So any movement I do, I'm used to the feeling now, but everything I do now is different on my right side because of the yeah, way the muscle works. Yeah. It must be so different. But um okay. you, you, so, adapt. you adapt.
0: So so how many push ups can you do now?
1: Hey one of my friends nominated me for a hundred. I did them yeah I did a hundred yeah i broke i I, I broke them into twenties, did twenty had a break, did twenty and managed it in one go so i I think That's it's good. it's a hundred percent healed I, I can't say push ups are my favorite exercise, but I'm glad I can do them now
0: so push ups to failure one one set how many?
1: uh 25 is is a big ask so i would reckon to failure probably 30. okay Um,
0: cool that's good
1: that's without a break i think i'm pushing it um so yeah why how many can you do
0: i'm not telling you (laughs) 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 to failure one set i can do 45 to 50. still yeah, don't make me do it now on camera. I'm not doing it now on camera.
1: I, I'm not going to challenge you to that because it will be <laughs> not the best. I'll probably still have to. Uh, I'll probably go away and try and do it now after this call.
0: You'll be surprised. You probably can do it too.
1: I probably can. It, it's just I, I've, I'm still a bit wary of how much I, I don't want to push it too much because it's it's exactly was exactly two years in March since the surgery.
0: And so, um. And uh pull-ups, how many can you can you crush now?
1: Uh, I can only do them assisted. Oh, I can I do them assisted?
0: That's uh pretty uh there's not a lot of people who can do pull-ups to be fair.
1: No, no, I'd love to learn to do them properly yeah. without assistance.
0: Um but proper I'm pull-ups, not like None of the- do-
1: No, I I don't do crossfit. <laughs> <laughs> CrossFit. CrossFit's okay. Any CrossFitters out there, I apologize. I'm not having a go. Um, But yeah, no. No. I'd like to do proper ones. You can do them, can't you? Maybe you can teach me something new. A pull-up? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I can do pull-ups. But so just to to dial back again, so last year, some people, I know Tanya knows, I know a few people were following at the time. I I was a I was a fat ass in january like really had let myself go and was in a bit of a dark place mentally and um which was not normal for me because i've always been quite active and sporty and all the rest of it and um i got a beer in my bonnet and decided to turn my fitness around and get get things going again and uh gail was actually quite fundamental in the background talking to me every few days and encouraging me and always being there always being an ear and uh this is a nice opportunity just to say thank you for all that you did last year because you were a big part of it you you might not know but you had a lot to a lot to do with my transition from from uh zero back to fitness again and, and you um,
1: came back with a vengeance you're like, <laughs> you're like a beast but have you gone back again
0: <laughs> um i'm in a weird place because i've i i like i lost a shit ton of weight i lost 22 kilos in um 12 weeks and um then i was training hard training hard training hard when i arrived in in england i arrived here the lightest i've been since i was like 21 i arrived at 79 kgs and around 15 percent fat and um but my my focus was run 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 and do as many push-ups and calisthenic type uh, type exercises as possible so it was all about losing weight losing weight losing weight and and getting as fast uh, as fast as I could, because I had to to qualify a certain run time, and I've never run in my life. I hate running. And um, when that when that was no longer required, I did let myself go a little bit in some ways. But now I'm sitting here. I'm I'm currently 95 kgs, uh, up from 79 kilos. But my, my 95 kgs is because is I, I, tra- I changed my training regimen and I've gone more for strength training than, and less running and less cardio stuff. And so I'm sitting at uh, eight, 95 kgs, but I'm only 19% fat. So from 15% to 19%.
1: And 19 is still in, the, it, it's still in the healthy zone. so And to be fair, unless you're training specifically like for a bodybuilding competition, you don't have to be 15%. You got to 15 because you were doing a load of running. And I think you had like 50 kgs on your back or something at some point.
0: Oh, I was doing on Saturdays, I was doing uh, 20, 20 kilometers with 20 kgs or 25 kgs. Uh, but that was walking mostly, not running.
1: Yeah, but that's still you're carrying weight, aren't you? You're going <laughs> to yeah. burn, burn some calories. Wasn't that in the falls you started doing that?
0: No, I was doing it all in Bulaway because last year I was in Bulaway for the whole year. Ah,
1: uh, Okay yeah
0: but um but yeah so there was it was it was very much about losing weight so now i'm in a bit of a state stage now where i don't need to be fast uh i am now started training again and changed my diet to drop weight again because i don't like this weight because i'm not as agile as i was when i was um lighter obviously i'm strong and i'm still fit i run 5ks every other day um not, and you're I'm
1: getting not, older, so it's gonna be harder to shift that weight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, age is catching up for sure.
1: And you now have a grown-up hairstyle, so
0: well, is it really? It's just I'm just letting it grow, really.
1: Are you growing
0: um, now? Yeah, we'll see what happens with it. Um Kevin says, if you had told me uh 17 years ago that Paulie would be struggling to do a push up. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been met with total disbelief. Glad that you've recuperated since since the op.
1: Yeah, thanks, Kev. Yeah, I wouldn't I would have been saying nah, never. I'll always be able yeah. to see
0: what you want. Tanya says, good job getting Paul Yeah. It wasn't easy getting me off my ass, I'll tell you that much. And then Tanya also wants to know, what sort of diet do you follow? Do you avoid processed foods or are you more of an everything in moderation kind of girl?
1: So obviously, since breast cancer diagnosis, I try and avoid any, I avoid, but it doesn't mean I don't have processed food. Um, obviously, processed food's not, not great. But um, I'm a, a everything in moderation kind of person, because uh, if, you, if you're planning to lose weight, you, it's all about being in a calorie deficit. That's why if you're doing a keto diet, why put yourself through the pain of doing it? when you could just have everything and just cut your calories. Um, Because it it doesn't matter what you eat. If you eat 1,000 calories of salad and 1,000 calories of pizza, which would you enjoy more? And they both equate to the same thing. Obviously, the pizza wouldn't be as good for your health, but at the end of the day, the calories are the same. So just eat everything in moderation. If you want to diet and want to lose weight, get into a calorie deficit.
0: So you don't believe in good calories
1: and bad calories? I do. I do. But what I'm saying is uh, don't cut carbs. Why do you need to cut carbs? Just reduce them. And when you you reduce them, what happens? You're reducing calories. So it's all about calories, isn't it? it, um, Obviously, if you're going to eat cake all day, that's not going to be good for you. Do you know what I mean? But um, I've never dieted ever in my life. and yes, I've been active. It's just about moving more and eating less. And and yeah, that's, that's And and if you want ice cream, have ice cream. Just don't do it every day. It, it's all about, and same as chocolate or if you're drinking, rather than binge, have a couple of drinks in the week and curb the ca- cravings. Do you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's just be reasonable. It's worked for me. I don't know if it works for everyone else, but I'd rather not be on a diet 24-7 and a lot of people go on diets It works. They lose weight. They come off it and then they put all that weight back on And then they're on another Mm. diet. So just change your lifestyle
0: Yeah I think uh, from my point of view It's it also depends on what you're trying to achieve and what kind of level you want to go to if you want to If you want to keep it simple and just enjoy your life, then everything in moderation is good But if you've got a specific goal and you like really want to get into the science of it well then you start looking at what calories are coming from where and um you know obviously Um, insulin response depending on your insulin response how you're going to store that energy blah 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 but we can that's a that's an episode for a for another day that's an entire conversation
1: yeah no definitely it's like if you're training for a competition, you can't just everything in moderation you do have to focus on what you're eating and taking in but if you just if you're just trying to be healthy um and you not you haven't got a competition you you're not doing bodybuilding there's no reason to cut anything out. it's just about keeping healthy and uh eat less, move more.
0: Right guys we've we've almost hit an hour already which has gone really quickly so i'm going to give you an opportunity to drop in whatever questions you want while we um while we um acknowledge some of the ones that are already here um so quick throw them in there and if we don't get any more then we'll start wrapping things up and um yeah so and again i just want to say thank you to everybody who's taken part and got involved it's very special and um yeah much appreciated. So Kevin has uh, what are your views on cannabis treatments for cancer?
1: Um, so I started taking CBD oil uh, before my surgery Um I can vouch for it. It's great for pain um, After my surgery I only needed uh, one codeine and one paracetamol for a week and then went drop down to one paracetamol mm-hmm. um, I still take it obviously not as high a dose. I take uh, five drops every day in the morning um and it definitely helps with anxiety um which obviously going through all that it it definitely helps with anxiety and depression so cbd oil um definitely uh medicinal marijuana i'm not sure and Anna's asking about joe wicks that's just let's not talk about him (laughs) but yeah medicinal uh, marijuana i i haven't and don't (laughs) i haven't tried um Nothing with THC in, because obviously you, you can't function.
0: <laughs> some people can can function. Some. I'm not uh, one of those people. But uh, no. But
1: I know yeah, people I, I people wouldn't. Are
0: perfectly well, completely stoned, and I don't know how the fuck they do it, but they do it somehow.
1: I know, but if you're driving and or you're working on a computer, how do you focus? Where CBD oil's got all the goodness of it, but no, not the high. Um, it's great.
0: Uh, Rosie so, wants to know which CBD oil do you recommend?
1: So I, I get it if you're in the UK, I get it from a site called Provacan. Um, I'll drop it in the the messages. Um, but yeah, it's and I take a 600 milligram dosage of it. So, put 10 more. Okay, here's a. Tangerine.
0: She was saying, I was asking uh, more about okay. the diet in regards to avoiding certain fuse due to cancer.
1: Yeah, so I don't eat asparagus anymore because that's a high um, cancer uh, food if you've had breast cancer, really? not if you have. Yeah, can it can cause reoccurrence. Grapefruit because it stops my medication working. So, I avoid grapefruit and tangerines. Um,
0: when, go back so, to the asparagus. What, what's, what the hell yeah. is you deal with asparagus?
1: Um, if you read up, there's some research on it that's proven to cause reoccurrences in breast cancer patients. So as it was one of my favorite things to eat now that I've been diagnosed, I just stayed clear of it.
0: Hmm. I wonder. That's weird. I wonder what it is. I
1: don't know. There must be something in it. Um, but, yeah, and grapefruits affect your medication so anyone on any kind of medication should always check on grapefruit because it stops it working um, but mm. other than that um, I just eat eat normally like I said no no processed food or very little processed food uh, lots of green green veg high supplements I, supplements, uh, I t- take a protein shake, but that's only when I'm training uh, when the gym's open I'll be back on it but not a,
0: um,
1: I have I have uh, well it's 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 PhD I don't know if you've heard of the make um, I use it I can also post it on there um, but uh, I also get uh, protein yogurt which has twenty grams of protein eat that for breakfast it's great
0: uh, Tanya's saying uh, she had absolutely no idea about the asparagus thing it's also a big favorite of hers.
1: Yeah, but if you haven't had breast cancer. It, it, it's fine. Uh soy is another thing. Soy. Soy, uh, soy is another soy thing. Is one
0: of, um estrogen um mimicking factors.
1: Yeah. So soy it. It. um especially processed soy. So like, you can have soy sauce. You can have um edamame beans, but um processed uh processed soy can cause reoccurrences as
0: well i i have a policy that i don't eat things that are poisonous if i'm cooked like something that is poisonous to start with that has to be processed to be edible is just doesn't make sense to me and i think soy is one of those like you can't yeah. eat raw soy it kills you
1: no so so you know there, it, it, there are certain things um but like i said don't be afraid to eat asparagus if you've never had breast cancer you have no reason not to um and there also is that uh, myth about uh, alcohol causing cancer. Well, no, alcohol depends on how much it's the sugar in the alcohol. Sugar, I reduced my sugar. I don't take sugar in uh, my coffee or tea anymore, but I don't not have sugar. Do you think that pre workout has an impact on a workout? Or is it just, no, it's not a placebo. It does have an impact, it does work.
0: Packed with caffeine energy. Um, <laughs>
1: Well, it's packed with more than caffeine. So, Anna, if you're using one, um, take it an hour before you train. But, yeah, it, it, all it does is make you work harder during the training session and maybe give you prickly heat. I, I used to take it. Um, but it's not a placebo, definitely. It definitely works.
0: Cool. Well, I think that's that. And... Uh Thank you, Gail, so much for coming and sharing with us today. Before you go, I just wanted to ask you one last question, and that's as, is there a specific message or uh, that you would like to leave everybody with? And
1: uh, Yeah. yeah. Um, what, it's mainly to the women, but it affects men as well. If you find a lump in your chest, go and get checked straight away. Don't be embarrassed because um, the sooner you catch the cancer, The less likely it is to spread to the rest of your body um and it doesn't matter how young you are if you've had no history of it in your family it can don't ever say it can't happen to me because i was like that and it it can happen to everyone and men included you can get breast cancer it might not be as um high as women's breast cancer but it's still, that possibility, and f- and for you guys, obviously, there's like prostate cancer and stuff. If you got anything, um, you don't want to go through what I did with the uh, fear, fear of dying. Just go go to the doctor and get it checked out.
0: How do you? Is it is it obvious? Like when you feel it? Is it? I I again, I know nothing about this topic, and I'm sure there's a lot of women who don't know anything about it. But when you're feeling around, is it pretty? like
1: um, um it was pretty obvious to me but i left it tried to ignore it because it was like eh, it's just fat fatty tissue because breast tissue is fat anyway um and there's lots of websites if you go on the breast cancer research website or Christie's website or macmillan website they show you how to check for the lumps um and also if your armpits if you got your glands in your armpits are swollen go to the doctor because that's a sign of breast cancer you don't have to physically have a lump
0: um, just swollen glands, lymph nodes. Hmm. Cool. Well, thank you very much. And uh, I, I actually went to the doctor today, so I've had a, I've had the start of my once-over overhaul. So we, uh, so I can do it. Everyone can do it. Guys, go get your prostates checked out. Go to get your nuts checked if you think you've got a lump in your testicles. Um, and ladies, both breasts and uh, pap smears, do it.
1: Yeah, don't don't ignore those letters, you know, because people die young from this. Um but uh Paul, I have a question. What's the what's the challenge we've got going? What 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 we're we gonna do from a fitness point of view? You know, you you're 95 kgs, I'm 55. I think you've got a problem. Well,
0: 55,
1: 79. <laughs> no, I'm 55.
0: Well, you're 55, I was gonna say shit. I didn't come from 55. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Um, what what what's your um what's your mission?
0: I think I want to drop to eighty five. I need to drop ten kilos.
1: So is it body uh, fat or is it weight?
0: I would like to get. I think twelve percent fat is my goal.
1: But twelve is twelve percent. You know, are you going to be able to maintain it? Is it sustainable?
0: It'll be sustainable. I'd like to drop to twelve and probably sustain fifteen.
1: Okay, fair enough. Um, I need to get mine checked, and then I'll uh, I'll come back to you on the challenge because I've all got right. a four pack at the moment. I believe you've got your six pack. I'm not jealous at all.
0: But again, I told you that there's a reason for that, and it's because I just I it doesn't matter if I get fat. I still seem to have abs. I don't know why. I just I'm just lucky like that. I yeah, even, last year there was the funniest thing because even when I was 101 kilos at my fattest. I went to, the, the, to train with Ishmael at his uh, MMA gym, and I was like the hefty guy, you know, and I turned to the youngsters who I was training with, and I said, do you want to see something funny? And they said, what? I said, do you want to see a fat guy with abs? <laughs> and I looked at my shirt, and they were like...
1: Did they ask who was drawn on?
0: <laughs> they were just flabbergasted. They, just, they were just poking and going, shit, it's real. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I've got my four-pack, but I want my six-pack back. So um, I'm on a mission to lose some body fat. So you're looking at losing 7%, huh? So that's a lot.
0: So what's our time frame?
1: Well, 12 weeks is reasonable.
0: Okay, so 12 weeks from now.
1: Yeah, so we'll work out what that is. and then uh, 12
0: weeks from now or 12 weeks from Monday? (laughs)
1: <laughs> from, okay let's do the monday thing 12 weeks from monday should we do that so we can prepare all right and then we'll chat. um thanks everyone yeah. for listening in i really appreciate it
0: yeah for sure thank you and uh again gal thank you so much and um it's been an absolute pleasure cheers everybody yeah.
1: thanks guys cheers